Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor Mead Metal Mayhem. I'm James. And I'm Jody. Cleaning up his mess. Yep. Oh, not that mess. Eating a brownie. (laughs) I'm going to leave that one alone. (laughs) I'm not going to do that stupid joke about being a scout. We we were thinking the same thing. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to start with a little bit of a reading, if you don't mind. Um, not like I can stop you. Well, you can talk over me. I mean, I could mute you, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you will, you will know when I'm to the end when I say such are the facts, something, something, but it won't be something, something. Ready? Here we go. Gonna, gonna make Wait. it spooky. What? Ah. You smell something? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the line. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> An owl on the branch of a decayed tree hooted dismally was answered by another in the distance. Looking upward, I saw through a sudden rift in the clouds, Audubon and the Hyades, and all this there was a hint of night. The lynx, the man with the torch, the owl. Yet I saw, I saw even the stars in absence of the darkness. I saw what was apparently not seen nor heard. Under what awful spell did I exist? A sudden wind pushed some dry leaves and twigs from the uppermost face of the stone. I saw the low-relief letters of an inscription and bent to read it. God in heaven! My name in full! The date of my birth! The date of my death! A level shaft of light illuminated the whole side of the tree as I sprang to my feet in terror. The sun was rising in the rosy east. I stood between the tree and his broad red disc. No shadow darkened the trunk. A chorus of howling wolves saluted the dawn. I saw them sitting on their haunches, singly and in groups, on the summits of irregular mounds of tumuli, filling a half of my desert prospect and extending to the horizon. And then I knew that these were the ruins of the ancient and famous city of Carcosa. Such are the facts imparted to the medium by rulers by the spirit of Sibela Robardin. Spooky. Yes. This is from the short story An Inhabitant of Carcosa by American Civil War soldier, wit, and writer, and all around kick ass dude Ambrose Bierce. It sounds Biercean. Yeah. <laughs> I like that name, Biercean. I was going to say Ambrosian, but I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mmm, Ambrosia. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff. Yeah. So this isn't just Ambrose Bierce. This is Carcosa and its interweavings with Bierce and uh, Robert W. Chambers and Lovecraft and ooh, spooky, spooky things. But (laughs) before we get there, I I just Uh want to start with that. I think we should talk about what we're drinking for a brief moment. Okay. And you go first. Uh, Okay. Well, then I shall. um, uh, This is something I've not tried before. Um, I've I've always heard really good things about it. So I am going to take a sip and tell you what I think. Okay. You do that. I'm going to chatter meaningless for a brief moment while you take your sip. Whoa. (laughs) Was that a? 
a good whoa or a wow, this is harsh whoa? A little of both. <laughs> Whew. Um, so, you know, you were there the first time I tried Malort, and I didn't really react. Right. I, I don't know that I made a face just now, but yeah, that um, that's got a that's got a kick to it. Uh, that is uh, Kraken Black Spiced Rum, uh, ninety four proof. Ooh, not bad. Yeah, um, that's that's good. That's good. I've always heard good things about it, so I had, but I've never had a chance to try it. Um, and when you said something kind of kind of kind of spooky, maybe Lovecraftian themed for a drink, I thought. You know, I think we've got a bottle of Kraken at home. <laughs> so um, is that something Rebecca likes or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because the bottle's a little more than halfway gone. And this is me having <laughs> some for the first time out of it. So <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I Smaller sip was, went down a little smoother. Yeah, Kraken. Kraken goes with it, you know, being octopoidal. Yeah. Yeah. We watched uh, the um, Clash of the Titans a week or two ago. The original from what eighty early eighties, early eighty one, I think, yeah. maybe eighty two, but I think eighty one. And it is a little cheesier than I remember because it's been a while, but we still enjoyed it. But it still kills me that they're in the Greece area and they release the Kraken when the Kraken is a Norse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. It's still an awesome movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'd rather watch the 81 than the newer one. Man, thanks for reminding me. You're welcome. Trying to, was trying to forget that the second one ever existed. Have another shot. <laughs> that might help. Uh, just like when, uh, well, we were thinking of doing it now, but I think we're going to wait till Halloween now. But uh, but we're going to do one on Wicker Man, and I will not do any more cursory thing of the recent Nicolas Cage one than other to go maybe the bees, and that's all I want to ever. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, what are you having? Well, I just finished because I made a vindaloo, a chicken vindaloo tonight. Actually, I made a tindaloo, which is uh, like a super hot double X spicy vindaloo. Okay, uh, so super hot curry. Uh, so I just finished with it so i'm gonna have something else now i just poured it but what i had a second ago was match day light well-being brewing it's a non-alcoholic beer okay which i i i, I like some i don't drink them often but occasionally uh, yeah. but this one is super good it's it's a classic bready biscuity fuggly bitter english style pub ale at only 35 calories and not even half a percent nice yeah and it goes down super well with just about anything cool but yeah but for this episode i just poured into my reaper ale pint glass because reaper ales out of california are now defunct which is yeah partially because i really like their beers but also partially on their website they were had this ongoing story of the reaper and and beer and stuff and it they never finished it before they went out of business oh man Oh, but that's okay. Um, but into it, I poured, and I sent you and Donnie and Robbie a picture of this, the Helltown Brewing Company Reaper's Harvest Double IPA. Yeah. 
bitter, hoppy, a little juicier than I like, but that that's okay. So it's, it's still pretty good. They're, they're out of Pennsylvania. It's okay. Cool. Actually, I'm assuming the town is called Export Pennsylvania because it's brewed in Helltown Brewing Export PA. But I saw the word export. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Eight and a half percent. I have a couple of them in here with me, depending on how long this goes. Cool. I didn't really have anything else. I had a couple of Halloween style beers still from Halloween, like a pumpkin spice stout, but I just wasn't in the mood for that. And I didn't really have anything else Lovecraftian. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I, I I did buy something on the way home. Um, I, I stopped at one of the beer stores and uh, I, I got a, a six pack of Rogue Brewing's Bat Squatch. Yo, got to let me know what you think. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a hazy IPA, so. That's um, why I'm not going to ever get it, because I don't like those. But that's why you should tell me what you think. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I thought of when I saw it. I was like, well, James probably won't drink that. <laughs> yep, I will not. <laughs> Actually, Rebecca might not either. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, should we move on? Yes. Yes, we should. All right. An inhabitant of Carcosa, short story, published in San Francisco newsletter of December 25th, 1886. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas. Have some horror. <laughs> Although, I guess 1886 would be Victorian times, and even in America, we were doing Christmas ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it was later reprinted as part of Bierce's collections, The Tales of Soldiers and Civilians, and also Can Such Things Be? Okay. But this is the first mention of the term Carcosa, where it's more of a passing thing where, well, obviously the dead ghost comes, you know, like suddenly comes into being and is wondering what the hell's going on and figure out what it is. And it's the runes of Carcosa. And, and that's, that's kind of all you get from beers. Yeah. But it was then subsequently borrowed by Robert W. Chambers. And this is... I'd actually been working on this episode a little bit uh, because it's in his book, The King in Yellow. Okay. Okay. I've heard of it. I've not read it. I may have the, uh, I may have the ebook of it. Oh, well, I will, I will uh, mention more of the book in this episode for you okay. here. Well, um, pro probably even fairly, fairly soon, but uh, it's, it's a, it's a book with, several short stories so it's a more of an anthology okay type of thing but they they they're the only connecting piece is that they're in this universe of the book there was a play called the king in yellow okay and if you read this play typically bad things happen you go insane for example oh well too late but okay yeah that's why we'd be okay but you know yeah. that's <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's quite, I enjoyed it. Uh, there are 10 short stories, this maybe. I've actually got the table of contents here in front of me. Um, but I will say the first uh, four or five mm -hmm. are really good and they're more horror oriented and they use the King and Yellow play thing to sort of set a stage or get things happen and, and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then the others are more of... Uh, uh, I guess so. He's an American author, but he did spend time in France, and a lot of these take place in France, 
and with the protagonist typically being an American. Okay. Um, not always, but you know, typically, and and the later stories are more of that type of thing where during the eighteen hundreds or or wherever you know, like during the Napoleonic Wars or various times, uh, wars of motif in it. Yeah. But uh, the the last ones are more of just period pieces, and there's not horror in them. Okay. Uh, although at the the very end, sort of in the very last one, it comes back around, and then there's a connection, but it's. But the, the first few, the Repair of Reputations, the Mask, the Court of the Dragon, the Yellow Sign, uh, the Dem Demoiselle d'Ease, um, the, the Prophet's Paradise are all really spooky and, and good. So, okay, cool. I do recommend it, but I, I was reading that and I was doing some background research on it, just kind of see what was going on with it and found out that Carcosa was first mentioned by Ambrose Bierce, but that was really it. Okay. But in The King in Yellow by Chambers, it does feature in several of the stories. Huh. And, well, you know, I'll get to that in a second. Haha. -ha. <laughs> I'll, I'll say in Chambers stories, and, and within the play, uh, the, the non-fictional play within the fictional universe, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just mentioned several times, and it's considered a, a city, more or less, Kind of, and we'll, we'll get there with other places soon, but it's a mysterious and ancient and possibly cursed place. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's a <laughs> precise description is, is not completely given, but it's on the shores of Lake Hali, um, either on another planet or maybe even in another universe. Ah. Yeah. And, huh, where'd it go? I don't ah, know. Here we go. Sorry, here's a a little short thing um, I'm making sure. So I, I gave Jody a nice big piece to read here in a second. I want to make sure I'm not doing the one I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> in the play, it gives this wonderful little bit of Caracosa. And I'm going uh -huh. to put the pint to my face while Jody reads a little bit. <clears throat> okay. Along the shore, the cloud waves break. The twin suns sink beneath the light. All right, I'm going to start that over. <laughs> Along the shore, the cloud waves break. The twin suns sink behind the lake. The shadows lengthen in Carcosa. Strange is the night where black stars rise, and strange moons circle through the skies. But stranger still is lost Carcosa. Songs that the Hyades shall sing or flap the tatters of the king must die unheard in dim Carcosa. Song of my soul, my voice is dead. Die thou unsung as tears unshed shall dry and die in lost Carcosa. Ooh. <laughs> uh, see? Spooky. Mm-hmm. And, and Holly, I, I don't know if it's pronounced Holly or Haley, it's H-A-L-I. If anybody wants to tell me, but considering it's a fictional place. <laughs> yep. Uh, but that, that actually comes, it, it's used as possibly a location or lake, but the actual term comes from a quote that Ambrose Bierce uses at the start of his short story. Okay. Yeah, it's just a, for there be diverse sorts of deaths, somewhere in the body remaineth. And it, it's, it's a huge quote that gets kind of kind of spooky and creepy in a philosophical way. And it talks about 
the death of spirit and you know but the body can still have vigor it's mm-hmm. uh but then the the quotes they end up with pondering these words of holly so in beers it's obviously a, a person of some kind yeah then it becomes a place hmm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and as as jody mentioned one or two of these also in the book Chambers alludes to other places, such uh, places and people and and things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Among them are Hastor, Ithil, and Aldebaran. Some people think Aldebaran may refer to the star, and that's yeah. what I'm going with because Aldebaran, or Alphatari, is a star 44 times as big as our Earth's sun. Its system mm-hmm. is famous for its liqueurs. And the only thing left after the end of the universe is one of its sweet trolleys in the cores, as Max Quartoplane says. <laughs> <laughs> Which comes from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yep. We've referenced that one, so I'm going to take a big old drink for that. Yay. Take a sip of crap. Kraken. <laughs> of crapping? <laughs> uh, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I will say Carcosa is being used in other things. I'm going to stick to the spookier ones, but if you have heard of it because you uh, watched True Detective, that, that's in there. And, okay. And then the name's referenced in Game of Thrones. Uh, I'm not sure how much in the books. I don't even remember it from the show. And I only got about four and a half books in before I got sick of it. <laughs> and, okay. I, for, for many reasons. And I won't get like, part of it is, Martin's writing part of it is because of how the publishers wanted to hack up a couple books to make a huge book, two small ones. And you don't realize that they overlap. You would assume they're chronological, but they're not. And it's like, what the hell? And nah. And for somebody who's made a fun of Tolkien, he is, I don't know. I, I get why people like the world, but his writing is not really all that good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, yeah, I've not tried to read any of his stuff. So, and when I got to about, well, I guess book five, if I've read four and a half or so ish, I, I not only stopped because of that, but because it had been forever since he was working on the last book and he still hasn't finished it. Like I see absolutely zero reason to read anymore until it's done. Cause I don't trust him. Right. Anyway, one of the short stories in Chambers's book is called the yellow sign. Okay. And It is about an artist who is troubled by a sinister churchyard watchman who resembles a coffin worm. And it's true, though, the watchman has a very white, putrid, soft, gooey visage and stuff. Okay. But the yellow sign also is with Hastor, the unspeakable one, the king Mm -hmm. in yellow, him who's not to be named, who's an entity in the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. But Hastor also first appeared in Ambrose Bierce's short story, Haida the Shepherd, in 1891 as a benign god of shepherds. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, actually, starts off good, but then Chambers uses the name in his stories to uh-huh. represent both a person and a place associated with several stars, just as I mentioned. Right. And H.P. Lovecraft was inspired by Chambers' stories and his Briefly mentioned, he briefly mentions Hastor in The Whisper in Darkness from 1930. Okay. Ooh, and then later writers in the Cthulhu Mythos Lovecraftian universe 
have then adapted him for for various things. But yeah, they do but, that. <laughs> they're not bad. They're not. I don't know. Actually, it's kind of weird. I I dig Lovecraft because it's the originator. Although, yeah, you know, like a wow, I just dropped his name. Conan's uh, Robert E. Howard. Oh, Robert E. Howard. Yeah, he did Lovecraftian type of stories, and because they were pen pals, they they were. And they borrowed, they did borrow character. Yeah, which which I find to be better than people who later wrote, but I still don't mind. It's still cool. Yeah, I, well, because I, I know um, I know some of the same people who who wrote like the later Lovecraftian stuff, Cthulhu Mythos stuff. Um, I know some of them wrote Conan stories as well, although. If you read those and compare them to Howard's stories, they're, I don't know, there's just something missing. I won't say they're bad, but there's just something, there's just something missing to me in, in those, in their versions. Yeah, I agree. And same with Lovecraft. Um, although sometimes some things are missing that aren't quite as eerie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes things are missing like rampant racism. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's usually a good thing to be missing. Yeah, not so bad. Yeah. Although, you know, <laughs> Howard, Lovecraft, August Derleth, they they all were writing at a time of, this is how it is. So, as Jody likes to say, we're not excusing it. But but as we both say, that's what it was. We shouldn't censor it, read it, and understand that's not what we want anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, I can expound on that a little bit if you want. Otherwise, we can just move on. That's up to you. I'll keep drinking if you want to. Okay. Go well, I've I've been um, I've been watching uh, Looney Tunes cartoons and uh, the the Platinum Collection. It's like the the full nine disc, all three volumes of the Platinum Collection. So it's like 150 Looney Tunes cartoons, and each disc uh, before the main menu comes up, it comes up with a screen and says, you know, uh, some of these cartoons have portrayals that are you know now considered racist but at the time they were just you know it was just part of the way things were and um you know we're presenting them here um one we're presenting them here and two we're doing it in in their uncensored form um because we feel it would be better to acknowledge you know not not condone it but acknowledge it instead of trying to act like it never happened just like certain recent authors having their publishers read through their books to take out, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't want to get into that. That pissed me <laughs> off. And it's not that's not, I mean, that's an author that I know of, but not one that I've read, but it still pisses me off. It's it's like, you know, you you're the publisher. You have either don't publish the book or publish it the way he wrote it. You know, it's it's too late now to go back and fucking change it. Well, obviously it's not, but it still is seems dumb to me. Yeah. Anyway, was that it, or did you have more? I uh, know that's it. Okay. In that case, I'm going to get back to spooky. Okay. Yes, let's get back to spooky. <laughs> in supernatural horror and literature, as uh, published in 1927 with the uh, 33 revision, Lovecraft actually talks about. The Yellow Sign by Chambers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lovecraft wrote, after stumbling queerly upon the hellish and forbidden book of horrors, 
the two learn, among other hideous things, which no sane mortal should know, that this talisman is indeed the nameless yellow sign handed down from the accursed cult of Hastur, from Primordia Carcosa, whereof the volume treats. And because I, you know, that that's that's good. But then he he does also mention we spoke of Hastur of Casilda and and everything. But uh, Lovecraft knew of Chambers, and, but he also recognizes Hastur as one of the mythos's gods. Hmm. Because of how he wrote him, but then August Derleth, who I was going to mention now, we you know he was a contemporary and and he talked to Lovecraft. They were pen pals too, and August yeah. Derleth actually is the one who really helped him get shit published and stay going, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, but Derleth then developed Hastur into a great old one, the spawn of Yog Sothoth, the half brother of Cthulhu, and various things. But he also has incarnations and avatars which includes the king in yellow ah okay and in various books and stories and uh even um no crap i i the one thing i forgot to write but i'll i'll find it here as we talk uh there's a podcast that came out just before covid hit and then three seasons and the, the third one actually was during COVID, and they incorporated it. It's really good, but it's a modern Cthulhu mythos. Okay. It's not a role-playing thing. They, they actually are just actors telling a story, and they get involved in all the things. But the King in Yellow, Pastor, is really in there, and, and they consider, they talk about him being an avatar. And if he can, he's going to bring Yog sothoth into the world and destroy the universe and everything. Why do they always have to be trying to do that? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> you know, let the universe be. Come on. It never did anything to you. It it made me be born. It didn't make you be born. <laughs> well, I think it made me be born. I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> no, but your parents may have asked for you to be born. So blame them, not the universe. <laughs> I'm still going to go with the universe. If you ask my parents, <laughs> now, I'll, I'll see if I can find that podcast. It was really good. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, it is actually one of the, um, currently the Cthulhu campaign I'm running with Jody and yeah. Sam and Jenny uh, is, is now we, we did a 1920s and then we kind of had a cut point and we're moving to the 1970s with, you know, descendants or, or whatever they may be from poor destroyed characters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know if that damn thing hadn't landed on my character i would have survived <laughs> hey oh we're doing too bad <laughs> yeah i mean that it, it wasn't the monster well it was what it was the monster it was just you know part of the monster when it exploded that landed on me <laughs> yeah, but anyway that was uh, when i when i listened to the episodes even though they take place in the 2020 you know 2018 2019 2020 whatever I, I thought maybe it would be fun to move things forward. And I thought, well, the 70s would be kind of cool because yeah. of all the occult shit. And then maybe we'll bump forward again. Eh, cool. But we'll, we'll see. We got plenty of time for that. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's a reason I'm mentioning that. It's foreshadowing for something here in a couple minutes. Okay. Now, but anyway, The Whisper in Darkness is a short story by H.P. Lovecraft, written from February to September 1930 and published in Weird Tales, August 1931. Okay. Now, a blend of horror and science fiction. 
it does make numerous references to the Cthulhu mythos. And it also introduces the Migo, an alien race of fungoid creatures. Okay. Something Jody and Sam and Jenny have very much experience with. <laughs> Fucking Migos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Of course, every time I hear Migo, I think of the toy company from the 1970s. Ah, I uh, I think of Kim Possible, one of her arch nemesis, the gothy looking female kick-ass sidekick of the doctor evil dude who she's hot <laughs> i think i know which one you're talking about yeah yeah uh, but anyway so the story told by albert wilmerth uh, instructor of literature at miskatonic university in arkham you know the the main college in the main town of cthulhu mythos type of things yeah uh, newspapers report strange things so he gets in a controversy and Starts getting letters from somebody about being, you know, abducted when people go up in the hills and stuff. And so he goes to check them out. But anyway, short story that is, he finds out. It's pretty spooky, too, how he finds this out because of the buzzing of the Migo. And and he hears this person talking to him. And then he realizes it, it really wasn't the person, but just the brain. Because Migo can transport humans from Earth to Yugoth, their homeworld and beyond. Mm -hmm. And back again by removing the subject's brain and placing it into a brain cylinder, which can be attached to external devices to allow it to see, hear, and speak. I'm only throwing that out there because Jody also had to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the 1920s. Uh, but. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> now, it has been a few weeks since we've gained. True. But if Jody does recognize something he should recognize the term the yellow sign and the king in yellow because right now <laughs> uh -huh. that is who they're dealing with at the moment oh there are plenty of why nots the question is why and the answer to that is i enjoy it being evil uh-huh yeah, but uh, hester's uh you know he's also been in other things like Carcosa. Uh, the only big one that I actually know is Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett's Good Omens book. There, It's the name of a demon in the book and the Amazon show. Cool. Which season two comes out in late July. Really? Yeah, and if anybody wants to complain about there not having been a book to, so why is Neil Gaiman doing it? I mean to say Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett started sketching it out, but they both became quite famous and popular at the time and went on to other things yeah. and never finished it. But Neil Gaiman does know where they were going. So there. Yeah. And he's the one that's working on the script and everything. So he's yeah. The, the screenwriter, the showrunner, whatever you call it. Yeah. Although I, I bet right now it's delayed because of the writer's strike. Well, I don't know because it's already, it's, it's due out in late July. Like they gave the release date oh. just a couple of days ago. Okay, well, yeah, I guess in that case, it's already been shot. Yeah, it's already been shot and done, and maybe they're just doing the edits right now and stuff. So, yeah, I don't think the, the writer strike is affecting it like it is uh, Stranger Things or or I think maybe The Boys even. Okay. Anyway. Carcosa, <laughs> Hasthur, the king in yellow, the yellow sign. Ooh, the coming of Yog sothoth 
Go away. Go away. I'm sorry. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. We don't want any. <laughs> no, no Yog Sawgoth today. <laughs> Candy Graham. <laughs> that's still one of my favorite SNL things. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that's, that's what I have on on that particular thing. Do you have anything you'd like to bring up that is apropos for this? No. Everything I've brought up has been off topic. Kinda. <laughs> but not completely. <laughs> it's not like we're talking about yeah. this and then, you know, you started talking about quail hunting. I wouldn't know what to say about quail hunting. Well, it's not quail season anyway. It is rabbit season. Duck season. Rabbit season. Duck season. Rabbit season. Duck season. Duck season. Rabbit season. Bang. (laughs) You jumped in on that right before I was going to. Damn, because I actually wanted to go the other way because that's how it should go because bugs tricks Daffy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. Nonetheless, I I will say I did enjoy King and Yellow. I have read both of Ambrose Bierce's short stories we've referenced, uh, the Head of the Shepherd and... The, the Carcosa story and uh I've read Whisper Darkness by Lovecraft. You know, I've read all the things we've referenced and I've enjoyed them all. So yeah. I think I've read uh Whisper and Darkness. Pretty sure I have. I would imagine. I know I've I've read most Lovecraft. Uh I've, I've short stories. I've read most of the short ones. I haven't done many of the dream story, the dream quest of Kadatha uh, really. So yeah. yeah. Oh, well. But there we have it. Straight from Yogg-Sothoth's mouth. Tentacles. I don't want anything straight from his mouth. It's so nasty. You'll get his bile and like it. (laughs) Mmm, ichor. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, let's move on and... I'm going to see if Jody wants to record another, but in any case, we should finish this episode. Okay. And I will sign off by saying, rate us, write us, review us, invite us to whatever orgies you have to help summon our Dark Lord, Yog Sothoth, or whatever. Oh, man. You almost killed my other character with that, too. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been funny, though. I was I was actually kind of laughing because I was like, ah, that's gonna that's gonna suck if my character dies, but that's gonna be kind of a funny way to go. <laughs> that's some good storytelling. <laughs> yeah. Well, with all of us. Yeah. All right. But until next time, I am the king in purple, James. Um, I guess I'm the king in black, Jody. I would agree with that. Okay. And, and we will. Symbol of yellow at you later. (laughs) Okay. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. I'm distracting myself. I do that frequently. Please let it be your phone. Please let it be your phone. (laughs) It's it's, it's my phone. (laughs) Woo! So my Call of Cthulhu character sheet now has crack and rum on it. Well, that works out quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. Eek.
So not going to tell me? No. Okay. No. Good. Cool. All right. So, oh no. Ah, streaming services. You want these short damn seasons, but you want them to be good. Pay the fuckers. Yep. <clears throat> that, that's uh. <clears throat> damn it! I muted my mic for a second, then I had to cough again. <laughs> <laughs> A thorn on saying symbol of yellow because it's a sign in yellow or symbol of pain because we talked about D&D last time and I fucked them up and put them together, but I'm not changing it. <laughs> in the heart of Haita, the illusions of youth had not been yet supplanted by those of age and experience. His thoughts were pure and pleasant for his life was simple and a soul devoid of ambition. He rose at the sun and went forth to pray at the shrine of Haster, god of shepherds. Who heard and was pleased. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> I was far from home, and the spell of the eastern sea was upon me. In the twilight, I heard it pounding on the rocks. I knew it lay just over the hill where the twisting willows writhed against the clearing sky and the first stars of evening. And because my fathers had called me to the old town beyond, I pushed on through the shallow, new fallen snow along the road that soared lonely up to where Aldebaran twinkled among the trees on toward the very ancient town I had never seen but often dreamed of. Y yeah, we'll probably not put these in. <laughs> <laughs>